The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his It's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and first I want to say thank you and welcome to the show. Each Sunday, 4 o'clock, 1280 a.m., The Patriot, and you can live stream anywhere across the country and beyond, and many of you do, and we appreciate it. But we talk each Sunday, politics, Israel, and the law. And there's a lot to talk about. You're going to get the discussion and debate about politics here in the United States. The uh, indictments of the leading candidate of the opposition party by the party in power. Uh, The battle over how to count the vote in this country, an ongoing battle with indictments across the country by those who don't like to hear dissenting opinions on such a quintessential matter of public concern. There's an enormous public debate, but law enforcement, law and order is being used to tilt the scales of the debate. It's not just a matter of argument and discourse in the public square. It is now grand juries going after lawyers, attacking their bar licenses. All of it is now become fair game in the United States. The system of justice in the state of Israel has been debated and is being debated in the halls of their legal decision makers in the Knesset. And there, there's a little bit of, uh, of attack by attorneys general in uh, or the attorney general in the state of Israel against Bibi Netanyahu. Certainly he is uh, being attacked by the attorney general's office. But in the main, the protests have been calm and peaceful in the streets. Hundreds of thousands on both sides. An enormous debate. It is democracy really at its best and at the core. How it'll come out, we'll see. We talked about it last week on the show, and we'll be watching. You know, it's interesting. I have an oral argument before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to revive a case that a judge kicked out of court, which we believe should never have come close to being kicked out of court. And it was a challenge to electronic voting machines being used in the state of Arizona to count the vote and whether or not they were reliable. It wasn't an election challenge. It was not on behalf of Republican, Democrat, to make the field uneven to benefit them. It was 
We're going to count all the vote, and we're going to do it this way, and we're not going to use unreliable black boxes, electronic voting systems that nobody is sure other than one thing, and that is any computer system can be hacked. That we're sure of. So some people would say, and it's a great public debate, whether they should be used in the greatest democracy in this, country, in this world to count the vote. Well, that action was thrown out of court. We're going up on appeal on September 12th in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. I'll be there to argue that. And on that same day, on September 12th, interestingly and coincidentally, decisions will be made in the court in the state of Israel regarding the latest legislation from the Knesset outlawing the reasonableness standard that has been used by the Supreme Court in the state of Israel. The reasonableness standard is one that made it wide open. Any decision by any politician or the legislature, any law, can be challenged by anyone and the Supreme Court uses a reasonableness standard. In other words, do we agree with it or don't we? That's it. So if the court, which is very liberal right now, if the court uh, decides, ah, to us it's not reasonable, we don't care that the elected officials, and by by the way, the court is not elected. We don't care that the elected officials, the people's voice, found it to be reasonable and enacted it, We're overruling that. So that's what the reasonableness standard does away with. And um, that is going to be argued on the 12th as well. Look at that. Coincidental. But big stuff coming up in law. But today we're going to talk politics. Today we're going to talk about the greatness and grandeur (laughs) of one time when the state of Minnesota was the beacon of all states in the 50 in the United States. People were moving here. People loved living here. You remember the Time Magazine picture of Wendy Anderson holding the walleye? And where are we now? We are ridiculed from hither and yon, ridiculed across the country by some of the biggest and smallest of states, of media outlets, and the like. You know, if they put up the banner, the picture of which state you don't want to become, it's often Minnesota. And they show the burning of the third precinct. They show the billion dollars of business destruction. They show crime wave beyond any in comparison to where we were. They show the the crime seeping, dripping out into our suburban areas and even rural areas. It's not the state it once was. So what are we going to do about it? 
We're going to create, we're going to create the Minnesota Private Business Council. That's what we're going to do to try to reestablish the grandeur of the state of Minnesota. And we have with us today on the show, once again, uh, we had him when he was a candidate for the Attorney General of the state of Minnesota, and now we have him when he is president and CEO of the newly formed Minnesota Private Business Council, Mr. Jim Schultz. Jim, welcome very much, and then welcome back to, uh, to the Victory Hour. We enjoyed talking with you before, and you almost pulled it off. Well, I appreciate that, Andy. I appreciate it being here again. It's great to, great to be on with you. And we did it. We did almost pull pull it off. We were within point six percent of uh, in the race. It was painfully, painfully close, um, but uh, we almost got there. That's uh, the race that Jim ran as a Republican for the Attorney General of the State of Minnesota. A Republican had not won for over fifty years. I believe it was fifty two years. And uh, Jim Schultz got more votes than any Republican I believe ever is statewide in uh, Minnesota. And ended up 21,000 votes short out of two and a half million cast in the attorney general's race to unseat an incumbent attorney general, an incumbent Democrat attorney general, Keith Ellison, who is on the other side of. uh, Hey, hey, what's going on over We're going to take it. Hold on. In Parker Daniels keyboard studio. That's uh, (laughs) That's how we have it. That was uh, Moishi, who is a part of the show, and uh, I don't think I don't think she likes Keith Ellison. He started started yeah, barking yeah, it once Keith Ellison right came out. Mentioned Keith, wasn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, Momo. He's with us every week, and uh, he likes to have his voice heard as well. And why not? He's joining the dogs here on the Victory Hour. So, Jim, you know. Uh, I want to talk to you about the race a, a little bit. I certainly want to talk to you about the, the Minnesota Private Business Council uh, right at the top, and we'll do this at the end as well. The purpose of the Minnesota Private Business Council is, as I said, to return Minnesota to the grandeur, to the place that really it belongs in, and that is leading states across the country for great places to live. Yep. How is it that the council is going to do that? Well, that's, it's a good question. And I'm really proud of this, uh, this organization. We just launched a couple months ago and we've had immense, uh, immense interest so far with people joining the organization. It's really going to be a voice for, for the, um, the private sector in our state, particularly privately held businesses, but advocating on behalf of all Minnesotans. You're right, Andy, that Minnesota has historically been a nation leading state. And I'm sad to say, over the past few years, in particular, we have we've given up. Um, we've given up on that. Um, we we have far left governance in our state. And you go down the issues. This past legislative session, we had a 19 billion dollar surplus, most of which was given away to the friends of our far left governor. We had a 40 percent spending increase. We had a, uh, a extreme um, uh, soft on crime policies that um, that let a lot of uh, felons out of prison. We had a variety of issues. That um, variety of things that passed that long term will be extraordinarily detrimental for our state, and our state isn't you know isn't an extreme left state. You know, it's not like an Illinois or a California or a Vermont. 
it's a state that historically has been, you know, has been kind of you know, light blue, purple, and we're being governed by the far left right now. And we have to restore some um, some common sense to our state. And that's what the Minnesota Private Business Council will be. It'll be a voice to advocate for the economic policies that can allow businesses to grow, that can allow wages to grow for our for uh, for our folks, to allow jobs to grow and our economy to grow more broadly. Because that's what we're going to need in order to be successful as a state going forward. You know, it's true. It is a state that should be a beacon uh, to the others. And uh, the legislature, this past session, when we come back after this short break, I want to talk about this past legislative session, was uh, I, in in my entire lifetime, I have never seen anything like it. It was breathtaking to see what this legislature did. And most people around the state, common sense people, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, don't know what happened this session. And when we come back, as I say, we're going to talk to Jim Schultz about what happened this session and why we should be alarmed, why we need to step out and to take matters into our own hands and to develop organizations like the Minnesota Private Business Council, of which Jim Schultz is the uh, head of. And we're going to talk about some of those details. We're going to also talk a little bit uh, later in the show about the recent race for Attorney General and the fact that Keith Ellison, uh, he somehow won four more years. Yes, indeed. That's another one I'll uh, be arguing in a few weeks at the Supreme Court here in the state of Minnesota uh, to fight back against the Attorney General's office uh, Overreach to try to control charitable trust, the biggest charitable trust in the state of Minnesota. We'll be right back after this short break. Again, thank you for joining us. Go to Parker DK. Stay tuned. Are you ready? Are you ready? We're ready. On the Victor Hour, we're always ready. And so is our guest today, ready to really turn around the state of Minnesota. It has become a place that for those of us who were born, grew up, and still live, or even those who are transplants here, don't recognize from what it once was. You know, for many decades... Uh, Minnesota has been a somewhat top-tier tax state, admittedly, and much to the chagrin of Republicans and free marketers, uh, Milton Friedmanites. But even with that problem, that issue, that Tim Pauletti really uh, fought against, uh, We recognize that paying a bit more for the greatness of this state, if indeed it was efficiently used, which oftentimes it wasn't, the tax dollars, which is the problem with taxation. But paying a bit more um, to live in one of the greatest states in the country, you know, okay, fine. Now we're paying more. And it is far from one of the greatest places to live. And uh, it, it, it really is remarkable, the destruction. And again, underscoring 
the ridicule with which the rest of the country looks at Minnesota. I mean, you may or may not like Laura Ingram or the folks on Fox News, et cetera, but they now come out here once or twice a year to see how Minnesota is doing. And the story is getting worse and not better, and they're reporting on it. And outlets around the country are reporting on it. Jacob Fry, what are you doing? So we're joined today by Jim Schultz, head of the uh, Minnesota Private Business Council. He's uh, a fifth-generation Minnesotan, so he knows of what I speak. Went to Annandale High School, University of St. Thomas. I mean, this is a dyed-in-the-wool Minnesotan (laughs) other than a few years. He went to a little college out in Boston, I think, uh, for law school. It's called Harvard. Uh, And, you know, he's got three daughters uh, raising them here in Minnesota. So what do you think about what has happened over the last few years and can we do anything about it in the face of this liberal legislature house senate and governor yeah well i'd say a few things i mean i you're right minnesota is was a great state my great great grandfather came here in 1875 and i grew up here in rural minnesota had incredible opportunities by virtue of where i of where i grew up and uh, and we are losing the state that you and I have, have known and loved for a variety of different reasons. And uh, and we, you see the far left governance that's happening right now. I think there there is hope. I mean, what the last election tells me, if you look at, you know, there's a lot of things cutting against Republicans this election cycle. It was kind of nationally. We lost a couple governorships, you know, picked up a few seats in the House, things like that. Um, so there's some national headwinds. Um, we had, you know, incredible spending. I mean, it's one of the story, untold stories of our state where the Democrats, you know, ex- you know, spent unbelievable amounts. If you look at all the the amount spent in all races, basically about $130 million was out there supporting Democrats. Unbelievable. And about $40 million for Republicans, so $90 million difference. So some real, you know, real headwinds. Nonetheless, our party, I almost won my race at 0.6%. 40, you know, people said that no Republican in Minnesota could get 40, over 47, 48%. I got forty nine point six percent in the uh, in the state. We narrowly lost the legislature, one seat in the Senate, and just a couple seats in the House. Um, so that tells me that despite all the headwinds, despite all the incredible spending with, uh, from Democrats and their and their supporters, uh, Minnesota Minnesotans just barely um, pulled the lever slightly in favor of the Democrats this cycle. So that tells me that Minnesota is a um, it's a purple state, maybe a light blue state. It's not a deep blue state. But right now, Minnesota is being governed by the by the far left. You know, it's the um, the hard left in Minneapolis, the Ilhan Omar's, the Mary Moriarty's of in Hennepin County prosecutor, the uh, Keith Ellison's. It's being governed by that wing of the party. Um, it's not the uh, it's not the party of Walter Mondale anymore. And um, and I do believe that Minnesotans are going to going to react or are reacting negatively to that, and will and will going forward as the consequences of this um, of this far left um, government play out. Um, what are some of the pieces of legislation folks might be a little uh, surprised about? Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned earlier we had a nineteen billion dollars surplus, and that is and just to put that in perspective. That is our surplus was bigger than the entire budget of the state of North Dakota at $15 billion. So we had an incredible surplus. And instead of investing it in long-term, long-term things, instead of giving out, uh, you know, Governor Walls promised $2,500 checks for everyone. Instead, only a few people got $250. 
uh, the, instead of instead of um, delivering the money back or investing in the things that could help Minnesota succeed going forward, he gave it out mostly to his friends and, and supporters and variety of different um, different things. There was that he they raised ten million dollars of taxes again, despite a surplus of um, of nineteen million dollars. Um, they increased spending in aggregate by forty percent. I mean that's incredible. That's never happened in the history of Minnesota. So you go to, go down the list. Um, they, had, they had some legislation letting felons out. You know, early. It, it's kind of like. You go to one of those uh, bonanzas at uh, the the grocer or at a department store. You get a grocery cart and they give you, uh, you know, five minutes and you've got to run through and <laughs> grab everything you can grab. Yeah. And yep. if you, whatever you get in the cart. You, yep. And, and that's what it was, a grab bag of whatever they yeah. can spend. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, they, they saw this as an opportunity to try to fundamentally transform Minnesota for going forward. And they um, they did their best to seize it. And it's incumbent upon people people like myself to to lead the effort. You know, Minnesota is lacking in some ways leadership on the Republican, uh, on the kind of the right side of the aisle. And I was proud to step forward with this organization to try to build it, to be an effective force pushing back against the extreme extreme left politics that um, have, have um, taken over our state. And so we've got to, we've got to push back because you're right. I mean, it's just um, it's one kind of kooky far left policy after another. And um, and we've got to turn the tide. You know, and the the shifts are not just on the economics. And, you know, think about that. $19 billion surplus and an enormous increase in taxes. Mm -hmm. Why? Why are we doing that? To keep the economy sluggish? To prevent employers from having the ability to hire more people? To pull people out of the ranks of not no longer looking for a job? into the ranks of employment. That's what happens when you increase taxes at that level. But in addition, an enormous, the biggest increase in spending in our lifetimes. Yep. yep. I mean, all at, all at once tax and spend to the point where, you know, you just can't recognize. But beyond that, there were social policy legislation that was enacted that was just, uh, you know, it was far left stuff. When I go around the state and, you know, talk with people, I've been, you know, I was out of Winona a few weeks ago. I've been been up in St. Cloud, Moorhead, and otherwise, I mean, people can't believe it. You know, you get outside Minneapolis, St. Paul, not too far, and people are just can't, cannot believe that how, how, far, how kooky our state has become. You know, and, you know, we all have friends who, um, you know, have decided to pick up and take off for Wisconsin or South Dakota or Florida, things like that. And, it's um it's we're at we're at a we're at a tough point for our state. I think an inflection point, and I think it'll be really important for folks um, who want to see change to engage at this moment. Um, you know, our organization will be doing a few a couple things. One, we'll be leading on the policy front. We'll be talking about the policies that Minnesota needs to grow economically, to grow jobs, grow wages, build communities. Um, so that Minnesota can have a bright future. And alongside that, we're going to work hard to ensure that we're electing uh, candidates, electing politicians that get behind policies that can grow our economy, can grow jobs, grow those wages. So that's, um, that's elect ensuring in, in 2024, a key thing will be winning the Minnesota house. That's the only, that's the only branch of the, uh, the, the Senate's not up until 2026. The governor's not up until 2026. In 2024, we've got a great opportunity to put the brakes on things. Uh, we only need to win four seats uh, in total to flip the Minnesota house. We have to do that because we can put the brakes on the madness and we could even get some policy wins. Uh, you know, you know, if we've got a seat at the table in our government to, um, to, um, to turn things around and then, and we got to ensure that in 2026, we, we win statewide again. 
All right. Uh, what about the Senate? Yeah, the Senate. We got. We can totally win the Senate. We're right now. We're only uh, in the minority by one seat. There was one seat we lost by three hundred and twenty votes. That's how yeah. close some of these um these seats are. You know, but for that, we would have had a Republican Senate this time, putting the brakes on all the madness that just happened. And so we can absolutely win the Senate. That's not up until twenty twenty six. And so the um um so we'll be organizing for that when the time when the time comes. But. But, I mean, when you step back and think about that, despite all the kind of headwinds and despite all the noise that we've seen this past year, that Minnesota is a, um, is, a, is a purple state. It's a state that we can turn around, that we can shift in a, in a Republican direction, and we just got to make sure that we're organizing to do so. Now, is the Minnesota Private Business Council focused on political races, or is it more of a think, think tank that is publishing papers? Those, those are the questions that, we're going to raise with Jim Schultz, the head of the Minnesota Private Business Council, when we return from this uh, short break. Jim and I both want to thank you for uh, joining us, listening in today. If you can't catch us at 4 o'clock on Sundays, it replays on Freedom 1570 from 6 to 7 p.m. Or you can go to your uh, local podcast on your phone. Yeah, the local outlet. Click on that little icon there. Put in my name. The Andrew Parker Podcast will come up and subscribe. You'll get hundreds of episodes. Oh, and just the wisdom that oozes from from the uh, sound bites that you'll have is uh, really remarkable. (laughs) Enjoy. We'll be right back after this short break, live from Parker Daniels Keyboard Studios. Stay with us. I bet you didn't know with this hip-hop that it was the victory hour, but indeed it is. It's a renaissance show. Kings and commoners, all are welcome. Loving country or loving hip-hop? Bring it on. Talking to Jim Schultz, CEO, president of the Minnesota Private Business Council, an organization looking to reestablish the grandeur of the state of Minnesota, put it back in its proper place on the top of all great places to live, which it just... Is not there today after years and years, and in particular over the last couple, three years, uh, destruction and disaster coming from the far left. We promised that we would talk to Jim more about the Minnesota Private Business Council and whether this is an organization, if you were to donate to, what could you count on happening? Uh, would it be a focus on getting the right elected officials in the House and Senate here in the state of Minnesota? Or is it a think tank that pushes out policy papers, which is important as well? Uh, the American Experiment, of course, the Center for the American Experiment is a great example of that. Jim, what say you? Yeah, so you, you kind of think of us having a kind of dual mandate. It, we're, you kind of think of us as somewhat analogous to like a chamber of commerce in some ways. We're advocating publicly, promoting the policies that allow 
for economic growth um, in the state. So we will be, you know, be uh, me out riding, me me um, uh, out there, do you know, promoting research, things along those lines. You know, to show to articulate the Minnesotans, deliver the message around the policies that need that Minnesota needs to grow. So that's one piece of it. And then another big piece of it is, you know, we can't get any policy change in our state without political change because right now we we have the far left governance that we've been talking about, and so that's about electing Republicans. Uh, electing pro-growth candidates right now we need republicans elected to um to uh to get those policies enacted so it's really two two things that's what people can count on and um it's you know privately held businesses executives others who want to play to to be part of this or who want to see those those things happen and people can go to our website it's growthmn.com growthmn.com and that's what we'll be doing. And I believe it will be, you know, right coming out of the last election cycle where Republicans, you know, Democrats won, you know, won the House, the Senate, the governorship, um, you know, a, a variety of other races. We really need it was evident that we really needed something new for the state to provide the leadership we need on our side of the aisle to, uh, to pull us out of this um, this death spiral we're in. And, and how will uh, the private business council uh, interface with. Uh, either or both or neither of the parties that are involved in getting uh, their candidates elected. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll so we'll be working, you know, alongside folks. Um, you know, we'll be a, a partner for, um, you know, for you know, when it comes to whether we'll be have a big, big goal of electing a Republican House in twenty twenty four, a pro growth House, and um, and that in connection with that, we'll work with um, with whether it be the. Minnesota Republican Party or the um, or the chamber, the chamber of Commerce or others to to deliver you know candidates um, to to get across the line candidates that will embrace embrace pro growth pro growth policies and so you know we'll we'll you know anybody who shares our our vision our mission you know we'll we'll work alongside and um, and right now we you know our you know folks on the center right or further to the right and you know, we got to come together and um, and and get organized and and, um, and so that we can win again in this in our state. And how do you compare or connect with uh, the Minnesota Business Partnership? Yeah, so um, yeah, in some way, you know, we're in some ways, you know, similar. Um, the uh, Minnesota Business Partnership, and one kind of key difference is that we're only privately held companies. The um, Minnesota Business Partnership has publicly traded companies on there. Um, could you know, we got a lot of name brand companies here in the state, um, but we're only privately held companies in our organization. Um, being a real voice for the family off, family company, family held companies, the small businesses, medium sized businesses. Some there's some large privately held businesses in the state. So well, that's that's a, a key distinction for us. And I would say we're going to really aggressively lean in on articulating center right economic policy in the state and really aggr- run really aggressive efforts to get um, center right candidates elected. And so that's uh, that's a key you know a key key distinction there. And will you be identifying candidates and assisting them uh, getting their campaigns up and running? We'll help recruit candidates. There's um, and that's um, you know we've had some um, some some bad candidates that have you know, lost races, things like that. Some good candidates who have lost races too. But some we have we've got to make sure we're getting the right candidates out there. We can and we're going to be working on that. There are some limitations when it comes to actually coordinating directly with candidates once mm-hmm. they're in races because of uh, legal <laughs> restrictions. But um, but we'll um, we'll be um, out there trying to get good candidates in um, in races because. We need to ensure that we're delivering the message, you know, the, speaking to voters to the issues they care about, and um, and delivering the messages that uh, that you know can help us win one election. So, what have you been doing thus far? You're uh, you're a relatively new organization. Yep. And uh, where are you at? And what do you see as your horizon? Yeah. Of growth. 
Yeah. So I, I, so we've been in existence for about two months. We've already put together, you know, members come in and they, they pay dues to the organization. We've already put together $700,000, which we're very proud of. Um, we've got a ton of momentum and I'll tell you, I've been all around the state, you know, getting, um, you know, talking with people, um, about, um, uh, about joining our organization. As I mentioned earlier, I've been from Winona to Duluth to St. Cloud and elsewhere. Um, I was down in Redwood Falls for a farm fest, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, with uh, all the, um, the farmers and, uh, farming organizations down there. And um, so I've been working to build a membership. That's what we've been mainly been focused on. But I've been writing at a few pieces in the Star Tribune, talking about some of the uh, highlighting some of the extremism from the um, from our Democrat led state right now. And uh, and otherwise, I've been um, been out there just uh, working to get this organization off the ground. And the response has been overwhelming. People cannot believe what happened last legislative session. People can't believe just how kooky our state's leaders have become. And they're ready for change. You know, some you know, some people have have concluded their they're, um, you know, the, you know, they're leaving the state, moving out, things like that. But you know, there's, there's a, there's a um, silent majority in our state that, with good leadership and um, good, um, a good vision, are are ready for change, and that's what we've been tapping into. We're talking to Jim Schultz, President CEO of the newly formed Minnesota Private Business Council, uh, operating to elect Republican candidates, common sense candidates, business candidates uh, to the Minnesota legislature and in other races that are important here in the state of Minnesota to return Minnesota to its one-time grandeur as one of the great states in anywhere in this country to live, which unfortunately today we, uh, we are not enjoying. Uh, Jim, let's talk for a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people are interested in hearing from you following that very tight race that you had for Attorney General uh, just this past election. Um, how is it that, you know, coming into the final days of the race, all of the polls showed you... Uh, five, what, five to seven points ahead of Keith Ellison. And then on the day of the election, the count comes back and it ends up being 0.6% for Ellison. How do do you uh, describe it? What what did you see? Have you studied the numbers at all, seen how that happened? Yeah, um, I'd say a few things. You know, we, nationally, as many people you know noticed at the time, you know, p- Republican polls were I mean, polling was off in favor of Republicans. You know, you saw nationally that there was this this assumption that there was going to be some Republican voters that um, would show up that didn't, and then um, and then some some Democrat voters would stay home that, that in fact came out. And uh, it was remarkable the Democrat turnout. Uh, they had incredible, um, incredibly successful efforts getting their people out to vote, particularly here in the metro. And then Republican turnout was a little bit depressed, um, and uh, and so that's you know in, in some ways that's the story in in, in, the nut- in a nutshell. You know we overperformed; we had historic margins in Greater Minnesota. I believe um, so people can can fact check me on this, but I believe the the you know, highest margins in Greater Minnesota in the history of Minnesota. We had, we had incredible out there. We slightly underperformed in um, in Hennepin and Ramsey. Um, and proudly because of the national environment, you know, the national environment just was not conducive to doing well in, in metro areas this uh, last well, cycle. Well, the Dobbs case uh, suppressed any Republicans' vote by a little bit, usually in the metro 
and suburban uh, or the city mm-hmm. and suburban areas. Yeah, I mean, it's just you look out, you know, there's areas that, you know, like Hennepin County, Hennepin County, the biggest part, county in the state here. You know, Republicans used to win 40 percent or so of that area. I led the ticket getting 32 percent in um, in Hennepin County, um, you know, in some ways did did very well. But on the but uh, but alongside that, um, if I had gotten 34 percent in Hennepin County, I'm the attorney general right now. So yeah. it's just that that's how narrow, narrow it was. And, um, you know, they they had, you know, tip, 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 tip of the hat to them and incredible turnout efforts. Um, and um, but we just, you know, in, in the environment, the national environment being what it was. We just weren't weren't quite uh, able to get there. I'm very proud of what we accomplished. We still, as you alluded to earlier, we got more votes than any Republican and sta- in uh, any Republican state candidate in state history. We got the highest percentage of the vote since uh, since Arne Carlson in 1994. Crazy. We won five of the eight congressional districts in, in the state, including the second congressional district, which we we lost at the congressional level. We let, we won decisive majorities of House districts and Senate districts. So we, there's a lot of things that we, you know, that, that, for the things that we have to be proud of um, coming out of the race. I'm very pr- proud of how disciplined we stayed in the race. We stayed focused on the issues that people cared about, um, the crime, the economy, the incredible uh, uh, failures of the attorney general's office around feeding our future. And so we did a lot of things really well. We got very close, but the polling ended up just being a bit a bit off. Yeah, it really is uh, crazy. Those are statistics uh, from the losing candidate. Breaking all of those records, uh, but losing by 21,000 votes out of two and a half million cast. Uh, really incredible. We're talking to Jim Schultz, candidate for attorney general who ran against Keith Ellison, incumbent Democrat attorney general candidate. Uh, that in and of itself is an awesome task to achieve. And he came oh so very close becoming the first uh, becoming the first Republican attorney general in Minnesota in the past 50 plus years. Jim Schultz now CEO and president of the Minnesota Private Business Council will be right back stay with us to continue our discussion with Jim we welcome him on the show we welcome all of you in the meantime go to parkerdk.com that's parkerdk.com premier law firm downtown Minneapolis stay with us. I'm Andrew Parker. Thank you again for joining us on the Victory Hour. We're talking to Jim Schultz, CEO and President of the Minnesota Private Business Council. Jim, I want to turn to uh, the important issue of free speech, the important issue of shutting down the voice of conservative thought intentionally in this country doing it through laws, doing it through the weaponization of the law enforcement community, including the Justice Department, uh, but also just doing it through the shutting down of platforms, of venues, of the public square. If it's an idea that is deemed by those on the left to be disinformation. Listen, there's an illiberal illiberal ideology that goes by various names known as critical race theory by many critical social justice. And it's being taught to our kids regularly. 
And we now are starting to see some of the results through polling. There was a survey done recently by Eric Kaufman, who is a professor at the University of London, along with uh, someone from, uh, Zach Goldberg from the Manhattan Institute, a survey of 1,500 Americans age 18 to 20. So they have gone through the, quote-unquote, indoctrination period. Random national sample of 18 to 20-year-olds, whether they had heard from an adult in school of pro-critical race theory concepts such as white privilege or systemic racism, which I remember the moment I first heard the phrase white privilege. I was in Israel with a group. It was about seven or eight years ago. Before that, I had never heard the phrase before in my life. And this uh, white privilege, systemic racism, an astounding 90% of those polled, 18 to 20-year-olds, had been exposed to CRT, 74% to radical gender concepts in school. And in seven of 10 cases, these beliefs were presented as fact according to these students. Nearly 7% of undergraduates polled in a 2021 study said that if a professor says something students find offensive, they should be reported to the university. If they discuss transgender in a way that is disliked, they should be removed from the classroom. 65 to 85% of American undergraduates believe universities should not permit speakers on campus who argue that some transgender people have a mental disorder, BLM is a hate group, or abortion should be illegal. Now, I don't like people talking about those who are different than them having a mental disorder. I, I don't like that. But we're talking about removing speakers from campus. BLM is a hate group. Hey, there's a big debate about that. A lot of evidence. Abortion should be illegal. Half the country believes that. Jim, what do we do about this shutdown and the indoctrination of our kids? You've got three daughters. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, it's a, as I think about a lot of these issues, if you zoom out, you know, it, it leads to, a lack of trust in our institutions. You know, you see this in so many different areas where people feel like there's, you know, there's politics driving education in our schools. They feel like there's there's a, a, a institution of the media is not trustworthy because of uh, the far left tilt of the media. They feel like in our um, in many ways are they feel like our, uh, our our law enforcement is a two two tiered system of justice. Things along those lines. We need to get back, I think, to our institutions behaving in a manner in which a strong majority of Americans uh, have trust in them. And right now, people don't feel that way. You know, you, you survey so many of these different, um, different things. People don't have trust in them. And I believe they're, it's because they're, they're doing things that are inconsistent with their intrinsic mission. And the fact is, we need to get back to, 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 um, we need to, get back to um, our institutions behaving in a manner where people can trust them. Yeah, and it's it's difficult when the government is shutting people down. 
You saw the decision issued, 155-page decision issued by a federal court judge in Louisiana when the attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri brought an action claiming that the government had colluded with or, or, or uh, directed social platform uh, businesses to shut down certain kinds of speech that the government, those in power, didn't like. That's Big Brother. That's China and Russia stuff there. And this 155-page uh, opinion threw back the covers and opened it up. Uh, it was amazing, truly amazing. And how can we have trust uh, in our government when those sorts of things are occurring? Jim Schultz, thank you so much for joining us. The Minnesota Private Business Council. Go to growthmn.com. You can contribute. Until next week, have a great week. All the great things are simple, and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope.